Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple of different places. We are live over on Crowdcast. We're live over on YouTube. Or maybe you're listening to this as a podcast, if with so cool. But that's happening Very cool. Very cool. You can't forget your roots, Alex. And we're audio at our roots. And it shows Mm -hmm. in how beautiful our faces are. Oh, my gosh. I have this Uh, uh, beautiful, very clear camera going on with the uh, horrible stark white background going on behind me. Now, guys, we have a very exciting show for you. We have some great guests here that we're going to bring in in a little bit. They are the creative team behind Lock and Key, Helen Gone. But first, we got a couple of orders of business we got to talk oh, about. A couple of orders. The... Uh, let's get to the list, man. Come on. I got oh, the you list. Do the list? Yeah. Okay, so this is everybody's favorite section. Uh, and actually, it kind of is my favorite section because it's where we pay tribute to the many oh, people that support oh. us at patreon.com slash comic book club. There's a level where once a month we read off everybody's name. This is that time of the month when we read off the names. And yes. we nail it. Every time out of oh, the game. Oh, don't set us up, you, you asshole. Know, a lot of people actually just listen to this portion of the podcast, and they're like, I'm sort of here for the names. I don't listen to the... I don't like comics. Oh, yes. man. So again, if you are tuning in for the first time, we're going to get to the content of the interview in a second. But first, here's the Patreon names. Kicking it off with Aaron C. Hollis. Adam Marks. Adriel Moreland. Elena Fontenot. Amanda Harris. Amy Gonzalez. Andrew Edge. Andrew Primo. Andrew Tillman. Benjamin Brown. Harley W. Chris Turlizzi. Clemens Luer. Corby Dorby Doodle. Curtis LaRock. Demand Ryan. Dan Snow. Dancer Danny Cabral. Daniel Fuentes. Daniel Warden. Danny Heck. Danny Ollie. Debbie Gloom. Dennis Scott. Dylan LJ. Eduardo Martinez. Aaron Dorian. Jeffrey Racher. Gerard de Villiers. Greg Mocha. <laughs> Isaac Carter. James Connolly. James Kurtz. Jason Donahue. Joe Lean. John George. Jonathan John. Joshua Gibson. Joshua W. Broxson. Catherine Adinson. KC Newhaven. Kevin Grimes. Kevin Kleinrock. Kieran Broderick. 
Cody Thomas. Kyle. Lee Brown. <laughs> Lee Wanda Thomas. Lucas Sink. Mark Zeller. Matt Tice. Megan Thigpen. Michael A. Sargent. Mike Dargenio. Mitchell McDonald. Nelson Martinez. Nick Broughton. Nick Grayson. Off-White Savior. What? Official CBC chef, Brett Macris. Oh. Omnia Solart. Oren Dix. Pedro A. Wrangle. Primetime, Pauly G. Rev Mikey. Salute, your shorts. Sarah Schottmuller. Sarah Schaefer. Scott Carpenter. Scott England. Stanley. Camila Rush. The Big Flood. The Twelve Batch. Victor Perez. Will Buchanan. W.M. Leitch. Uh, Zika's Viral Comics. Look at us crushing yeah, it. There we go. Thank you, everybody, who has supported our show. Again, if you would like to support our show, and we really do appreciate it, patreon.com slash comic book club. You are super awesome. I'll tell you what, I hope we never become successful because that list is going to get crazy. Oh, man. Thank you for supporting. Get... Sorry if we suck at names. We have a yeah. great job in our futures announcing like a minor league baseball <laughs> because I think we would we're crush that. Oh, man. Now, there is one other thing that we should probably mention here at the top. And then we will get to the interview. And uh, just to mention for the interview portion, uh, we'll be chatting. So excited for the interview. But also, definitely drop your questions either to ask a question here on Crowdcast or in the comments over on YouTube. I'm going to keep an eye on them because we'd love to get your questions. Let's get some questions. Epic crossover as well. Uh, But this is a little bit of news for our end that we're pretty excited about. Our podcast is going to be joining the Fan Sided Network. Now, what that means is there is a website, a series of websites owned by a place called Fansided. Uh, We are joining their podcast network. They're going to be rolling it out in a couple of different ways. What that means for you listening is nothing. 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 Why (laughs) even bring it up? Let it ride. Yeah, you're still going to get the podcast same as usual, or at least you should. If you have any problems, if there's any hiccups in the crossover definitely hit alex up on twitter Um, but they've been pretty awesome we're excited to work with them uh, and it should be pretty cool it problems hit up pete on twitter he's sort of our uh, major (laughs) domo when it comes to dealing with um, translations to our transcripts try throwing your phone out the window yes pete using his former genius bar experience um to bring it to the great podcast universe i used to work in the fruit stand that's right the what great the fruit stand i've Lost track of what we're doing. Before we bring uh, the guys in here, I wanted to give a shout out to a couple of people on YouTube who are watching. Uh, Thinesis uh, Lebru, if I messed that up. Good morning from Greece. Why? Yes, that's all awesome. right. Also, Adrian Streether is in Hull, UK. So we've got people all over the world watching, which is super cool. So let's not keep them waiting because they are up late at night or in the morning or whatever's going on. I'm going to bring the team here into our stream. Oh, there we go. There we go. Uh, So first off, we got writer Joe Hill. Also coming in is editor Chris Ryle. Picking his nose with the hell key to hell. Picking his nose with the key to hell. Yes. I think it makes a lot of sense. Oh, man. There we go. And slowly making his way in here is artist Gabriel Rodriguez. He should be in in a second. But guys, welcome. This is awesome. This is so exciting. I actually want to turn it over uh, to Justin first, because we're all big Lock and Key fans, but he's the big Sandman fan. 
So go for it, Justin. What do you have to say? About Honestly, it? it's so exciting to get a love letter from like I, this book is clearly for me. Uh, so thank you for doing that. Just like to be able to have a targeted uh, focused book in there is really exciting. I think when we sat down to first discuss the idea of actually executing the comic, that you know the first thing we said is, "What would Justin like?" <laughs> you know, that was really it was really you know how could we. How could we make him happy? Yeah, you know, I noticed the that, subtle. Okay, there's a a line in there that you say just in time, and I get it. Like I know what <laughs> you're saying. So you're communicating <laughs> with me. We're, hey, we have an exchange. Well, yeah, look, we've got our own here. Brady Bunch thing going on right It's now. very oh cool. God. Very well, the cool. thing is that I was joining this just for the list of names at the beginning. So I thought, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, we didn't, call, we didn't read your name right. Uh, oh, man. That's I think great. it's important for the viewers at home to know just how completely unbiased you guys are when it comes to lock and key. Classic character. The reveals. You're compromising our high journalistic standard. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, I know you've talked about this a lot, but this is a big event, obviously, for comics, but this is also something that is very tied into both the Lock and Key universes and the Sandman universes. I know you've been talking about it for a while, but when did the discussions become serious? When did it actually start seeming like it might become a reality? I don't think we ever had a serious discussion, but things happen again. But it's way back, when, right? I, I mean, I know when we first, I know when we first discussed the possibility of doing a Sandman crossover, but it was years before we ever imagined it might actually happen. Um, we so there's a, the Lock and Key show wound up on Netflix and is really in its in its best possible incarnation. We're so yes. proud oh, of it. Great. And, uh, you know, so great cast and Carlton Cuse and Meredith Averill, who are the showrunners, have been absolutely killing it. You know, and but but it was a while getting Lock and Key to TV, and um, there was there were two other pilots filmed for a possible lock and key show. And the very first of them was filmed in Pittsburgh. And I, I want to say about 2013 by Mark right. Romanek with a great script from Josh Friedman. Um, and uh, one of the reasons it never got on the air that Fox passed on it was uh, uh, um, uh, Mark Romanek was only able to film about 70% of Josh's really wonderful script because they filmed in Pittsburgh in the middle of the winter mm. and it, there was a colossal <laughs> snowstorm that shut down filming for most of a week and so they had to scramble and make up time and they want a whole bunch of the script wound up not getting filmed wow. um because it was we were snowed in we wound up staying in a hotel um in pit we had come to this we had all convened to visit the set right as the snowstorm was hitting <laughs> and so Smart. instead of visit instead of visiting the set we wound up staying in the hotel mostly hanging out in this very cozy saloon a lot of leather and brass very Ooh, 19th century I, you know I this is like a horror you're setting up a horror story about how you made that <laughs> i'm pretty sure the bartender was that guy from kubrick's the shining yeah. you know with the slick back hair and, but so um so we we mostly sat around and, and swapped pitches, ideas for lock and key stories, you know, and I remember very, it was a very productive time. And I remember clearly that, that Gabe cracked a joke that solved the ending of the first series. So oh, the, we, even though we were still years away from writing it, <laughs> the solution, the fun, the solution to sort of some puzzles that we set up that arrived in Alpha and Omega began as, you know, Gabe sort of 
maybe cracking a joke or maybe pretending a serious idea was a joke. I don't know. He's tricky. That he guy's tricky. Really. You so, gotta keep your so eye on him. He also, though, we had done a show, uh, uh, an issue called Open the Moon, in yes. which a dying member of the Locke family um, is hand-delivered to a kind of heaven. And and Gabe said, we've been to heaven. When are we going to go to hell? Um, and of course, say that. I was like, I don't know when we'll be able to get on the Comic Book Live podcast. But, you know, <laughs> we can hope. We can hope for the near future. No, um, everything comes to full circle. Actually, yeah, that's right. Uh, wishes, dreams really do come true. But you know, you know, I don't remember who said it. I know that I said if we were going to do hell, I'd want to go to the hell from Sandman. Wouldn't that be great? Someone, maybe I don't. Maybe it was Chris said said well there is that key to the gates of hell that was a, a crucial plot <laughs> element of um season of mists so that's where the idea began um in terms of when we wound up getting permission to do it uh, i'm not sure i mean i mean hasn't come I, in yet hasn't come in yet <laughs> we still don't have it no. i mean i know that i i know that i was talking to that to Neil Gaiman about the possibility as far back as 2015, but you know, yeah, I mean, as far as as far as the way we all mark time, we we basically mark time by the different lock and key pilots. So it did <laughs> yeah, yeah. us two pilots ago. And we got approval probably just like a pilot and a half ago because uh, <laughs> it was the kind of thing that you muse about. And you go, it'd be fun to play with this key and bring this key into the the key house world, but you go, that's never going to happen. Sandman's done and finished, like. That's sort of sacred text, you know, that we're not going to get to play with that. And so it was it was never taken all that seriously until I think, yeah, Joe, you talked to Neil. And once Neil said, I like it, that makes every <laughs> conversation with DC that much easier. A little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in a way, we started developing this idea, considering that given the time, if we arrived to the point in which we wanted to tell this tale about Chamberlain Lux and his kids regarding the story with hell, we could eventually tell the story in our own version of hell, we, we could have used our version of, of Lucifer, and set, etc. But it was exciting from the beginning just to play with the idea of doing it with that version of that environment and those characters, and also figuring out that there were lots of ways in which uh, the universe of Sandman and Lock and Key could wow. uh, took each other's hand uh, into that comic. So, it became so incredibly fun just to daydream about that. That it was a sort of creative exercise that we continued along, a long, a long while of time. And the thing is, uh, I think we arrived at the point in which we we wanted to tell this story just a couple of years ago, in which we got the blessing from DC Comics and Neil Gaiman to be able to do so. And it was equally incredibly for both Joe and myself. We we started with this idea just because uh, we looked up at, at Sandman and its mythology as one of the main reference that uh, gave birth to the seminal ideas of lock and key. So having the chance to, to get back to that as a way to pay tribute to that, but also to, to play with that toy box is, is amazing. Well, and that's one of the things I think is so exciting. Um, like he, a lot of like a crossover like this, it feels like it's like, oh, the Transformers met the Ghostbusters. And then they never talked about it again. Uh, <laughs> but it feels like with this book, it's like you're really marrying these two worlds together in a way that is like, it feels so nice. It feels like natural, but also just so exciting to combine it in this way. 
I think for me to, to add to that, the, the one thing I always found exciting was crossovers back in the day used to be something big and important and noteworthy. And it was sort of like both companies brought their A-list talent to it. And then along the way, as more and more started happening, you know, the, the talent on the main book is busy. And so the, the sort of a secondary talent does the crossover. In this case, having Joe and Gabe do the crossover, I think just gives it that much more sort of gravitas and importance and really just cements it as part of this universe. When does uh, the other become... thing is, that's very important is that the idea for the crossover came from an idea for an actual story. We wanted to tell certain story in this context. So it's not the, the thing that we thought that it could be fun to mash the universe of, of Sandman and, and Lock and Key because they sort of are similar. No, it was the idea of a story that we wanted to tell the one that gave birth to the entire concept for the crossover. And I think that was that was, was more important for us. Uh, most of crossovers tend to be like status quo, event, status quo again. And we didn't want to do that. We wanted to do something in which we took like meaningful things, both those universes, make them collide and have an impact on both of them. So that's where it came from. I wanted to do something that would rise to the level of my favorite crossover books, like when Superman fought Muhammad Ali, which oh, I always was thought amazing. was really yeah. touching because they get the yeah. ring together and then and then Superman throws a light jab and Muhammad Ali's head explodes. And then he goes <laughs> he goes full Zack Snyder and just laser visions Ali right in half. Yeah. It's a pretty hard slow-mo. Page four, he's just holding intestines in his hands, you know, like with his eyes glowing red. And then the other, the other twenty-four pages of the book were were just there was nothing on them. They were just completely <laughs> blank. And like, like I thought that was a screwed up crossover, but it touched me as a kid. And, I, we could know, tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And similarly, I I don't want to do any spoilers for this book, but the first book is they say, Hey, can we get the key to hell? and they say no, and then that's it. Yeah, (laughs) but 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 along those lines of like a crazy raised bar, like lock and key was so unbelievable and i stalk gabriel Rodriguez's twitter for art uh because his art's fantastic the fact that you guys pulled this off and it's so magical and takes you to like this universe that you're like already like okay how are they going to do anything close to lock and key and how amazing that is the fact that uh, a super fan can then be blown away by this uh is really impressive that's very kind. I, I, I just, when we I opened it up, I mean, uh, do you start to see things in Gabriel Rodriguez's art at this point? Because, like, the, the just some of the pages, I was like, oh, man, I can't even comprehend this. Was that that was the same thing I, I don't know. I just, I kind of lost it a little bit. balls <laughs> right now. But, but just today, I mean, just today, I was looking through the issue, and I saw something I hadn't seen before. There's, oh, it's, wow. the, the panels are so intricate there's we visit the library of dreams at one point in the first issue i don't think that's a huge spoiler we 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 pay a visit there and i just discovered these little guys hanging upside down under the staircase (laughs) you know these little sort of uh nemo and and slumberland figures staring out at us and i'm like i've looked at these pages a hundred times now and i'm still (laughs) discovering new things i thought for a long time you know it's been my great good fortune you know to to be working front with gabe you know side by side since the beginning really and and you know 
you think you know this is the this is the best comics can get. This is so great, and then he raises yeah. the bar even higher. I mean, the amount of great detail lost under all those word balloons is is just <laughs> tragedy. It's a real tragedy. <laughs> Well, Gabriel, I do want to know when you're tackling something like this, obviously lock and key is so intricate. We've talked to you incessantly about how much we love the art there, but when you're also tacking, tackling these Sandman worlds, when you're trying to draw them and meld them together, is there a different level of pressure there? I mean, how does it hit in terms of we're doing our own work versus we're tackling somebody else's work? Yeah, well, there is. It's a, uh... It's the point in which you need to be irresponsible enough to dive into something like this and not caring too much about it because it's it's like doing brain surgery. Once you're at it, you just can't miss any movement. <laughs> and you're a brain it's... surgeon as well, right? <laughs> you're just like constantly... I actually wish I, I would be. Uh, I don't think you'd love uh... his way of opening heads. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the, the trick is... Uh, I think uh, as long as the story is the driving force be behind it, I, I, I feel like in a safe haven to, to try to do this. In a way, I, I've told a couple of people that I think I've done enough work in comics before this particular book to have enough tools to finally tackle something like this, feeling confident to be able to, to give the story what it needs. Uh, I still uh, get uh, uh, upset with some drawings here and there, but I... But I realized that I have as many tools as I need to tell something as complex as this and also as, as dense as it is. Because even though Joe might comment about the amount of detail that's in every panel, I'm amazed by the amount of myth mythology and story that we managed to cram in such few pages. Because yeah. even though when we started discussing the ideas for this story, it was meant to be... In Pale Battalions Go, it was going to be a single 20 pages issue, and then Helen Gone was going to be two 20 pages issues, and that would be it, the way in which we were going to close the Golden Age arc. I feel like you're looking at Joe. And it ended up being almost uh, 140 pages wow. of comics <laughs> because In Pale Battalions ended up at uh, 60 pages and. Helen Gunn is going to be 80s. Basically, we found a way to trick it the publishers yeah. in doing a four-issue miniseries in only two issues for <laughs> our own sake as creators. But the thing wow. is that I'm very impressed that uh, when Joe started telling me the amount of ideas that he had for this story and all the characters that he wanted to play with and all the scenes that we were trying to get into it, I started thinking immediately, there's no way this is going to fit, <laughs> not even in 80 pages. Yeah. And then uh, you had the script. And, and the amazing thing is not only that he managed to fit all that in, but also made it feel incredibly easy as a story as it could be. It, it feels incredibly welcoming for the reader. And either for a guy that actually knows everything behind the universes of Logan King and Sandman, or as a newcomer reader. So I am I, very impressed by how polished the writing has become throughout the years in order to be able for someone to get to achieve something like this. And I think, you know, one of the things that has uh, been one of the strengths of the entire lock and key creative process and now in this crossover is the fact that we've been working together for over a decade or much more than that. So we know each other, we understand the stories in same way we understand the way in which we want to tell the stories in the same way and i think it all fits the creative process i i i 
can't think of things that could come out more seamlessly than uh, the work on, on books like this. So that's one of the things that make it incredibly fun. Uh, Gabe does, main... Gabe, I'm sorry, I just got to say, Gabe does get really upset when he has to draw something on the page and he feels like, oh, I don't like that. That's just unpleasant looking. It's, it's ruining my page and, you know, and <laughs> I have to see something really yeah. Really had to hold his nose and draw that. <laughs> Alex cries just off the camera. Oh no, Joe is just jealous because Alex Camillo in Lock and Key has more lines than his own. So Ooh, slam, <laughs> actor slam. <laughs> um, and now in the main Lock and Key series, um, we get into some darkness. Uh, there's a lot of horror. And the, the series that followed in Pale Battalions, you hit true, absolute sadness, despair. What's your next emotional gear? <laughs> How far down the hole are you going to go here? How you go, Joe? How, how do you think we're going to treat these guys? Yeah. Now, the thing is, uh, uh, as Joe said, we want to do uh, stories as meaningful as possible with characters that we try to make the reader love as much as we may. We end loving them when we work them, with them. And, and one of the things that for example, one of the things that, that surprised us the most when we were working in the Golden Age stories is how we got in love with the family of Chamberlain Locke yeah. through the course of very few pages. We started yeah. with these very short stories in the beginning, and we started like understanding this family, giving it a, a, a dynamic that's completely different from the one of the Locke family of the main story of the first six volumes. And we found things to fall in love with these uh, kids that appeared just in, in brief episodes. So when you get the chance to do something like in Pale Battalion Go, in which you, in which you actually get uh, Jack Locke to go to hell, actually, in that first story. You don't need to get to hell to be in hell as he was. Uh, I was obsessed with the idea of doing a, a, a horror, a, a war story that reflects how horrible war is in a way. Yeah. It's, it's the worst possible horror story that you can tell. And I think uh, Joe delivered a magnificent script to, to do that. And then we ended up uh, in Helen Gunn uh, falling into the arms of Mary Luck to carry us through this story, which is uh, has become a very fascinating character yeah. for us because she started like a very side character in the family dynamics of Chamberlain. And suddenly she, she jumped up uh, in the front and we're absolutely <laughs> dazzled by how much we think we can do with a character like her. Yeah, right. She didn't even have a line the first comic we ever saw her. She was in, um, she was in uh, Open the Moon, which was the first right. Chamberlain Locke story, you know, and she's just one of the other kids. Um, there was a moment in uh, Small World um, where, uh, you know, the house is a mess and Chamberlain Locke, who is a, you know, a uh, man of the 19th century, you know, uh, old fashioned sort of almost Victorian patriarch shouts that he's going to teach his daughters how to use a mop. And a few pages <laughs> later in the story, Mary is fighting a giant spider and she grabs the mop and splits it over her knee and then uses it as a spear. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I thought, I thought then I thought, huh, <laughs> She's got something going on. I like her style. Yeah, I like her style. Um, When we started working on Helen Gone, originally the conception would be that that Chamberlain was the hero. 
And I, mm. I actually wrote several pages where Chamberlain was going to be the lead character, but they didn't fly. It didn't ring true. And when the story sprang to life, it was when I decided that actually it was going to be, you know, that Mary was sort of going to pick up the baton. And, and then there was a moment Gabe drew the cover for the second issue, which I don't know. If it's, <laughs> I don't know if that's been shared publicly. Has it been? No. Chris, it hasn't been out yet. So, so he drew the cover for the second issue and I was looking at Mary on it. And I thought, Oh my God, did we make a superhero? <laughs> I, I think maybe Gabe and I created a superhero when we weren't paying attention. Um, cool. She's That's exciting. Pre- yeah, she's pretty amazing in the book, uh, and I don't want to get too much or at all into spoilers since I know a lot isn't out she's there. She's so much fun to write. Well, she's, she's got great. some mischief. She's got a, uh, a lot of the, the Locke family, I, and I won't say much about this, but like there's, a, there's a, an innocent core. And she's got a little yeah. more mischief in there, I feel like. She's, you yeah, know, absolutely. When I, when I think about what she would do, I think, would Lauren Bacall do it in a movie with Humphrey Bogart? Okay. And, <laughs> and if that feels right, then Mary would probably, then that's something Mary would probably do. Yeah. Now, uh, Joe, for you on the Sandman side of things, this is, again, skirting spoilers, but it's set in a very specific period of time in the Sandman books that I think yeah. people will immediately recognize. How do you decide what part of that mythos to pick and choose and bring in there? Because it almost feels like there's a, a temptation to be like, oh, and then this character can come in, and then this character yeah. can come in, but certainly <laughs> it holds back a little bit. Well, well, um, let's see if you still think it holds back by the time we get to the sandman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we, really, we really took all the toys in the sandbox and, mm-hmm. and made use of them. Um, the, uh, you know... I hate to sound like, you know, all sort of mystical, you know, um, <laughs> new agey and spacey about it. Okay. But I don't really feel like I ever. Which we know you are. I don't re- yeah. <laughs> I don't really feel like I chose like, you know, oh, let's set it in this era. It just, you know, it just happened that way. I mean, yeah. I mean when we did start to, when we did start to consider the possibility of, seriously doing the crossover i knew it would be about chamberlain Locke's family in part because the modern day family has already told their story but also i knew that in the early part of the 20th century um in the early part of the 20th century when morpheus had been captured by roger burgess that all of the characters that whole immense cast of characters that we love from sandman was in play and their stories had not been completely told so if there yeah. was one place to jump in and add something, it was there. Um, and things would be a little bit harder in the in the modern day, which presumably takes place after all the events of, of you know, Neil's original Sandman run. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, on the other end of the spectrum, going over to the art, Gabe, for you, this is something that uh, we were talking about before we came on, I guess was kind of a secret for a while, but came out on the trailer. So if you are listening or watching and don't want to know a pretty big spoiler, it's out there, so I'm going to mention it, but uh, earmuffs for a little bit. Uh, but Morpheus <laughs> shows up here, which blew my mind. Uh, but what I also really liked about it is how you captured the art style there, how you drew Morpheus in a very yeah. specific way that felt very specific to Sandman. What was it like trying to tackle that? It was the first idea that came into mind when I when I read the actual mm. scene. In a way, I wanted to... I wanted to reflect the different nature of the characters in a way in which immediately pops up to the eye when you were reading the page. And I think uh, uh, 
it came out very naturally. It was an illustration. I worked for several days because I wanted to get the right pose, the right framing, and then I did all, all the 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 handmade art artwork, and then post produced a bit. This is, I think, this is the very first couple pages of interior art of Lock and Key, which I actually colored part of it because mm. I, I did the color of the main figure and then put it in a separated layer so J Photos could complete the coloring of oh, the background wow. around it. So cool. it was our first collaboration as colorists. And and one of the things that uh, emboldened me to try that was I knew how good Jay is handling the color. So despite trying something different with the art approach in this one, it wouldn't be a problem. I knew it wouldn't be a problem for him to, to find a way to get it into the context of the story. But the point was to to try to to make that character appear in a way that make him immediately uh, a being of a different nature in the eyes of the reader once mm. they got to that mm. point of the story. Hey, so when you, I, I, funny, I never even asked you this privately, but um, so if I can ask Gabe a question publicly, Please. when you were working on your Morpheus, you know, there, there's a Sam Keith version, there's Kelly Jones, there's Mark Hempel, there's Craig Russell, there's all these Jill Thompson, all these amazing versions of Morpheus. Who, like, what was your your key source material before you sort of made him your own? Like, whose it's, version did you refer to? Do you think it's hard to tell because I think it's all of them. In a way, I, I was a, a huge fan of the Sandman original run. I, I followed the entire series from issue uh, seven on, the one in which uh, Death appears. That was. The first one that got published in Spanish, we had the edition from Spain here in Chile that we followed the entire run. It came with a little introduction of Pelots and Nocturnes added to that same issue. Mm-hmm. And from then on, I collected all the single issues to complete the entire Gabe, series. Gabe, Gabe asked me in an email what version of Morpheus's helm was he doing? And he listed three different artists. And I said, I answered Gabriel Rodriguez's version. Yes. <laughs> the, um, and he was answer. like, right answer, Joe. And, right and answer. I'll tell you something else. And I'll tell you something else. Um, you know, um, Gabe did something with the helm that no other artist has ever done. And it's so <laughs> natural. And it looks so Ooh. great. He, he, there is an interesting... And it's very curious we, because... Uh, I thought I saw that somewhere, but then uh, the editor from DC, uh, Chris Conroy, an email saying yeah, the, Chris Conroy had this has never been Neil. done with the helmet before. I'm not sure if we can use it because we so, need to ask Neil and everything. <laughs> so the helm, the front of the helm, opens upwards in Gabe's vision. So, so you have so it encloses the whole head, but the front of the face separates and can be lifted. Yeah, it's pretty cool um, to reveal the face within. And, and, you know, it's like just because we've never seen that in any of the comics doesn't mean it couldn't always do it. 100%. Yeah, the thing I is, love that kind of I love that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it, as it's all a dream, I've always thought that in a way that the visual approach to the Sandman series was this idea that every artist that drew the books gave their own vision yes. of the dream in a different way. So I feel I felt maybe a little. I don't know. I was like pushing the boundaries of this a, a little bit, uh, trying to play with that idea. If, if it's something that could happen in a dream, which is basically anything, whatever you need in order to tell the story in the best possible way, I thought would be the, the right choice. Uh, one of the reasons I, I, I did the thing with the helmet in the story 
was because I wanted to make sure that even in the sequences in which the character had the helmet on, we, we would have the chance to see his or her actual face yeah. during certain action and also have her hands free to do other stuff. Yes. Because it's, it's very not functional. exactly yeah. a helmet that you can put off and, uh, <laughs> in your pocket. So yeah. <laughs> can I just a, geek a, out for a, a second? Sort of about, a I... natural solution for the storytelling needs. Can I yeah, just geek out for a second about how great uh, Gabe's House of Mystery is as well? Oh. Oh, you know, yeah. we I knew I knew we had to get to the House of Mystery. I knew we had to spend time with Cain and Abel. And and when our heroine arrives at the House of Mystery and we enter, it is the House of Mystery we know from all the other comics, and yet it isn't. And yeah. and the yeah. idea that the House of Mystery is a shifting place because it lives on the edge of dream and that it it's interior architecture is largely formed in reaction to the people visiting it is an idea yeah. that I particularly like. Um, and, and, you know, and I just loved, I just loved Gabe's wild vision. Of well, and and the, Cain, the Cain and Abel scene is, is mind blowing <laughs> well, among, among other parts. Like it's, it's an yeah. amazing scene. <laughs> yeah. And Cain's reaction, uh, to that, the revelation that you just described about the house changing, he's like, I don't give a fuck. I don't know what you're talking about. Let's just keep going here. Like yeah, yeah, it yeah. feels so, it's so fun. So fun. So Chris, let me ask you, what's the next trick uh, you guys are going to do? Like lock, lock and key and amazing fantasy 15 or like, where's the next, <laughs> where's the next move here? I mean, it's gotta be something meta like Deadpool, right? Who's used to going back into other guys. <laughs> I figure that's a totally natural kind of crossover. Um, wow. I mean, that is the great thing about this is that, that Joe's been very sort of, particular slash precious slash smart about not letting lock and key get used in ways that that's another big yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i mean I, th there was talk of other crossovers following this one that could have made sense from one point of view but they don't really make sense in the lock and key world so i'm, I'm glad that we're not just uh chasing you know bigger and bigger crossovers and kind of mm. making sure that they matter I mean, this yeah. sort of goes back to where we came in, right? Because, like, you know, you asked when did when did we start, you know, thinking we wanted to bring our universe and you know and and collide with Neil's, you know. And the thing is, is we we figured out how to tell the lock and key stories because we're Sandman geeks, you know. It was yeah. reading mm -hmm. the Vertigo comics of the nineteen nineties fundamentally shaped our ideas and I, I think I speak for all of us for Gabe for Chris yeah, for Jay absolutely you know for us um, yeah. <laughs> that, that gave us uh, that gave us uh, a sort of landmark and we're like we want to go for that and and in some ways writing the crossover was really really difficult like trying to do like trying to play six chess games at once or, or solve <laughs> six you know Sunday New York Times crossword puzzles on the same day. But in other ways, it was very easy because the two, you know, thematically, um, emotionally, aesthetically, um, you know, fit together like hand and glove. Uh, you know, there's a kind of feel like they've been waiting for each other. Um, yeah. So um, what's so amazing what's about it is, you know, when, when Sandman was winding down, it was one of those that you knew it was something special, that it was this landmark series. And so for me, every issue was the thing that I just savored because I knew once it was yeah. gone, it wasn't, there wasn't going to be another. And when we were working on Lock and Key, building toward Alpha and Omega, it was that same sense. I'd get a script in and go, like, really try to savor it, thinking it's all coming to an yeah. end. So, like, 
that we're now in sort of this overtime period where we're able to kind of give me and everybody else back that same feeling that those series used to evoke is really exciting. Uh, uh, and let me just say that it feels like those moments when you're a kid and you're like, oh, I want to stay up a little later. And you talk to your parents <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you could stay up for another half an hour. And you're like, oh, my God, I can stay up for another half an hour. That's what every book feels like. So please keep us up. Keep us up nice. <laughs> uh, now, we do have a bunch of questions uh, from folks over in the YouTube comments and also here on Crowdcast, so I do want to get at least to a couple of them. This is from Adrian Streether on YouTube. Joe, Adrian. what's the Adrian's next... a huge lucky key guy. We love Adrian. Oh, there you go. All right. Uh, what is the next crossover universe that could happen or that you would like to happen? Nosferatu, maybe? Um, you know, there is a key to the Candy Cane Gate. There is a key to Christmas Land. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't think I don't, I would never do a crossover just to do a crossover. You know, it was tremendous to be able that Neil invited us in and, and let us have fun in his universe. But, but there was, there is an arc there to the begin. There is a set of stories about Chamberlain Locke, Fiona Locke and their children that begins yeah. with chronologically, it begins with small world and continues through a whole series of stories to open the moon to a story people haven't seen called face the music um can we can we talk about the comic and the soundtrack album are we not allowed to talk about there's no sound should i just not have said that no, yeah we should not tell we should never elaborate mind. on that <laughs> no okay never mind it feels like the, you um, should though no no no, no, no. <laughs> I, i'm sorry Please, i don't me. know what i said the um but there's so there's there's a glitch um, uh yeah yeah um there's uh you know uh Small World and Open the Moon and Face the Music and then Pale Battalions, Battalions. And, then, and, then, and then the finale. But that is, you know, there is a story that is being told there about um, the optimism of, of the young and, you know, the forward looking at the beginning of the 20th century and then the reality of the 20th century you know, the punishing reality of the 20th century and what it did to, you know, in that first world war. And, um, you know, and that's been really satisfying to explore. And Sandman, the, the leap into the Sandman universe was an organic way to continue that. Um, yeah. And I don't think we would have wanted to do it just to do it. Yeah, yeah. It, it has to be a story that drives the, the creative idea. It, otherwise, it, it would be like a, a forced exercise that probably would be a Posting and, and and not make a point. Uh, one of the things that, uh, as Joe said, was doing this crossover was both easy and hard because it was easy the way in which the story naturally drove us to do this. But the hard part was how to measure our own ambition and how to tackle this, how to be uh, sure what was the stuff that was worthy to put on the page and the one that we need to help back. In, in a way, for example, trying to I don't know, to pick certain character and get him or her a bigger role that the store needed just for the sake of playing with that character. But being able to restrain for that was like the hardest part to, to do on, the, on this. So I, I really hope that what you finally see in each of the pages of the story is what the story needed to be and what's going to be the most rewarding reading experience. I mean, I think Sometimes. we can boil it all down to saying Hellboy. The answer to the question is Hellboy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, uh, and then I'll move on to another question to get super nerdy about it, though, Joe. The Key House is an inscape in Nosferatu, and since Key House and Sandman all exist in the same universe, technically they all exist in the same universe, so it's not too much of a lift, right? 
Um, that's an interesting, that's an interesting thought. I, I'm not actually sure. I know about the map in Nosferatu. I know that the map refers to, uh, the Lovecraft keyhole, which is a reference to key house, but I'm not, actually, I'm not sure that the, I'm not actually not sure that, that key house is an inscape. Okay. Um, mm. uh, you know, so that does actually make that does seem a little bit like a flaw in Charlie Manx's map of the United Inscapes of America, but let's just let's just glide over that. Not his biggest problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he has some other issues. One of the out. things that's fun about the way in which uh, Joe writes fiction, I think, is the fact that he's constantly showing you doors and locks and keys and not necessarily explains you how they work or what's their purpose, but they are there. And when you need to get to, through certain door or need to pick certain key or need to open certain lock, it's there to, to play with them. So I think in a way, it's a, it's a creative uh, process of planting seeds here and there and waiting for the right time of each of us to blossom properly, so. Well, I have to say, I have to say that we have actually, um, we actually hung a lantern um, for something in Pale Battalions. We hung a lantern for something that won't come to pass for, until book five of World War Key, which is still a hypothetical series. I mean, which would not come out for, which, you know, at the rate we're going, would probably not come out. It's like 400 uh, pages away. You know, um, there, is, there is, so, so, and I'll actually, okay, so here's something I can spoil. So here's something I can spoil. Uh, the, um, so um, this bad guy, Eric Murnau, who is a German officer in World War I, enters Key House and discovers about the power of the keys. And then, and then, you know, big spoiler, you might want to cover your ears if you haven't read Pale Battalions yet. Um, in the final issue of Pale Battalions, he's knocked out and he's dragged back to Germany. He had, if you look in the panels ahead of that, he had discovered there was a teddy bear key that operates one of the teddy bears. He still has that key in his hand when he's dragged back to Germany, Ooh. which 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 matters, but won't matter for until book five of of uh, World War Key, which would be the book about World War Two. Mm. Wow, so very interesting. It won't matter in the story until twenty years after those events, which is probably I hope also I, yeah. twenty years after we have this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 hope I, I hope we can still remember it. I mean, like, that's the thing that's worry about, <laughs> just, like, you know. Listen to the podcast that's the thing. every week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Gabe, this is a question I'm for sure you. Pete is oh. going to remind us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm on I'll, it. I'll set a reminder. I'll set a Google invite. Uh, okay. Life of Lauren says, question for Gabe, where do you get in your inspiration for your art style? Thanks. I My never doodles. thought of myself My of a guy that's pursuing yeah. an art style. I think uh, I just came out with what's coming out in the pages just by the process of drawing over and over and trying to, I try to portray the characters in the best possible way and the scenarios in the most fulfilling way. And just with the tools that I have, I, and I'm, uh, wh what I am, it's, I'm a insane nerd studying lots and lots of artists. I have a folder with over, I don't know, 200 different artists and art samples that I'm constantly studying, trying to figure out how people use different uh, art supplies and how they depict certain gestures and body language and how the guys that draw with only single lines compared with guys that uses these masses of ink to try to convey certain effects. 
And all of that, I tried to mash them up in my brain and, and trying just to figure out how I envision things in, in terms of putting it on the page to, to tell the story. I, I, I think in a way my, my art style is just the result of, of that process. And I'm just trying to get better. I try to, I try, the thing that drives me the most is try to portray the characters in the best possible way, to make them feel real. For me, the ultimate goal is to make the reader forget that they're watching drawings, that they're watching just dots and lines and spots of ink on, on, on a page. And I think that's what the thing that fascinates me the most about making comics. The thing that you can just take a few abstract shapes and combine them in certain way and make people think that's a living character that you can yeah. care for and relate to. And make people that's, cry. Make that's people actual cry. casting of magic for me. Make, so grown, make grown people cry is what I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I gotta, uh, let me I also get... say, Gabe, when we first met you, we had at San Diego Comic-Con like 10 years ago. We said that guy's an insane nerd, just like yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you are you are the master of that. Like we uh, talked about how like you uh, when we open up your book, like we jumped, we were scared, like we were there <laughs> in it. It wasn't like a comic that I was safely not a part of. It, it you do the thing that draws people in, but there's a realism, and it's just it's so very moving. Gabe pulled off the first jump scare in the history of comics. Yeah. <laughs> it was just having a character named Dr. Zalvin. You're scared of <laughs> I still get scared every time I look at the mirror. Every in, the, in the first book, in the first book, there's a moment when uh, Bodie is in the well house sitting on the windowsill and he turns around to shout to Kinsey. And it takes you a second for your eyes to focus on the woman coming out of the well yeah. behind oh, him. Yeah. And uh, I know readers have talked about that, working as a jump scare. (laughs) I had heard that you couldn't do jump scares in comics, that that just was physically impossible. But it's hard. (laughs) Pages are moving. Yeah, I I guess I realized. On several occasions. Yes, agreed. Uh, Joe, this is the a question for you. possible I haven't been able to do is meet my deadlines, but besides that. Uh, Joe, this is for you from Enrique Chambes. Any more plans to expand your imprint Hill House? Mm. Um, had no comment. All right. Um, M Spear 632 says, also for Joe, I've heard you say you don't outline your comics. What's the secret to them tying together so many pieces of your stories? I think we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, uh, Chris, do you have an answer for that? Because I don't. I would say the rewrites. I mean, yeah. Every time I get a script for you, it's 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 revision six or seven, yeah. and most scripts I get are people's first drafts, or maybe they've gone through it mm-hmm. once. But I mean, you're working these things over and over again before you're even ready to show anybody. One thing is, is usually I've got a couple scripts before Gabe starts drawing. You know, this is going back to sort of this is going back to sort of back in the day when we were doing the original lock and key run. Typically, with any of those six issue runs. I would have the first two issues written before I felt comfortable, you know, pulling the trigger and saying, okay, let's, you know, Gabe, let's go, you can go ahead and start drawing, you know, go for it. Um, and, and so I would get a couple issues and then generally I could, I could write quickly enough so that I could get to like issue five when Gabe was starting to draw issue two. And then I could start to see what I would need to make the ending work and could usually go back and, and fix shit in issue three um, right. so that it all looked like I had it all planned all along. 
<laughs> no, but the there thing is, is uh, watching from the outside and seeing Joel's creative process throughout something as long as has been like writing lock and key. What I think it's one of, I, I think he has like two very important uh, qualities as a writer. One is that he always aims to an ending. Joe is really good at not dragging stories. He, he really yeah. aims every effort, every piece he places in the storytelling aims to something that's going to drive to a meaningful ending. And that's something that's both very hard to do, but he sort of had an instinct for that. And, and demands a lot of effort. I think most of his rewrites are about cleaning the stuff that is sort of extraneous, cleaning mm. out of the, the forest of the branches that confuse the path. And the other thing is something that I I thump, somewhat thinks that applies to the entire creative process of Lock and Key, in which I think both of us are very uh, pay a lot of attention to detail because it's as I say when I talk about the, the the artwork that I try to do. It's not about the amount of detail, but putting the details that you actually need for the story that you're telling. And and Joe is incredibly good at that. He he can sometimes he has these very complex ideas that he discussed uh, over and over throughout the process. And then he sets a scene in which two characters just having a conversation of three word balloons tackle that. And that's incredible because it, it it, it, the main difficulty of comics is being able to put as much as possible in as few space as you can. It's basically about compressing stuff, but doing it mm. in, in a meaningful way. And that's something that he's a mm. natural at it. That's set great. Uh, I don't know if this is scratching up on the thing we're not supposed to talk about, but JC Barrow SF says, any suggested soundtrack for the crossover? <laughs> um, you know, you. I would say... Uh, Download uh, Torrin Borrowdale's um, terrific music for uh, the Lock and Key TV show, um, mm. which is available on iTunes, you know, and, and on Spotify. I hope some on Spotify, right? You know, and um, I don't know if it's ever going to have a physical release, but we can all hope, right? Wouldn't that be great? I was going to say it needs to be a playlist of Nickelback and Tori Amos. I mean, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I listen to twenty four seven. Basically, uh, oh, Chris. I can pitch my I can pitch my playlist. I've got a Hill House Radio playlist on Apple, which is like Ooh. the music <laughs> I'm listening to right now. So if anyone I mean, wants there, to know there, what I'm listening to right there now, there really should be a trigger warning for the uh, Ed Sheeran song that's on that playlist. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, blown up right Let there. the man do his karaoke while he writes. <laughs> uh, Chris, lightly singing the whole time you're writing. Uh, Chris, this is going to be great for the audio podcast, but there's a couple of people in the YouTube comments that want to know what the rest of your shirt looks like. They're very interested in oh. the Lucha Libre shirt. <laughs> It's a uh, it's a taco joint in San Diego. It's um, their their tacos are better than their shirts, and their shirts are pretty great. <laughs> but if, I, if, if if I'm doing commercials, could I do another quick one? Absolutely. This, this key that we were showing off is one of Skeleton Crew's latest productions. Um, they've wow. been making replica keys for wow. the series for the last yeah. five six years. <laughs> this is the biggest, heaviest, most lethal one that they made, and they're going to start taking pre orders tomorrow. That's oh really? Never That's going awesome. to be allowed to be mailed. It weighs a pound. It yeah, looks amazing. Terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. And it's the sights to scale of the key in the Kelly Jones. Uh, wow. You know, uh, season of mist. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Uh, that is very, very cool. Now, we can talk to you, I think, about this all night, and I definitely would want to, but we got to let you go at some point. But before we do, I wanted to ask about uh, anything you can say about the TV show, because as we mentioned, we've been loving the TV show as well. No. I know they're yeah. in production on season two. It sounds like they're starting to wrap things up. Season three has already been greenlit, which is awesome. Yeah. Other than that, anything you can tell us? Well, I think one of the things that we can mention is there's going to be several new keys coming in the new seasons that I think is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, in a way, the as Netflix has trusted in the in the hands of Mary Theribrill, Cartoon Cues, and all the creative team behind the Lock and Key series, they are so confident of what they're doing that they really allow them to open the floodgates for the next couple seasons and it's going to a really all-in game. It's uh, I, I think Waste and Wine is, is going to be like the just uh, the tip of the iceberg of what you're going to see in terms of drama, magic, horror, mystery in the next seasons. In the yeah, in some ways, timing. I was just gonna say timing of it all is Netflix's uh, announcement to make, but but just detail-wise, like we're real happy with where it's all headed. I feel like I feel like the first season was like those first MCU films, you know, like. Captain America and Iron Man, and that the second season is like Avengers. Wow! It's just it's on such an epic scale, and it just completely goes. For I it. just wanted to get here so these guys can get their recaps going again. I, I enjoyed those. <laughs> Can't wait! Truly, yeah. like us talking about those episodes is so fun, and the way the series, the first season ended, was um, just like a real double punch. You expect one punch, but that second punch. <laughs> and, and what's really great, what's really great is they've decided to do a crossover in the TV series as well. Not we couldn't, we couldn't make it work with Lock and Key Sandman, but we, but yeah. Floor is Lava is going mm -hmm. to be uh, in their Keyhouse edition, and that should be awesome. Yeah, wow. well, the story I, I, of Floor of Lava is so good. I'm yeah, you guys are talking about how you only do crossovers that matter, so it makes sense <laughs> that Floor yeah. is Lava. <laughs> and, I, and I've heard that there are millions of signed online letters and polls asking, demanding for a paramedics spin-off uh, yes. of the Locking Key series that <laughs> I'm sort of yeah. studying because... Uh, you better. I, I know the crowds are asking. Matheson for paramedics. Matheson yeah, yeah. nine one one. <laughs> Matheson six six six. I would Emergency tune in. Help. I would tune in for it. Uh, so yeah, before we let you go, just got a review. You got the hell key. The key to hell is coming out from Skeleton Crew tomorrow. <laughs> also, obviously, the first issue of Lock and Key, Sandman, Helen Scone. The second yep. issue. No, it's not Helen Scone. Helen Scone. It's not Helen Scone. I can't pronounce it's, it. That's, that's going to be the next series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second issue, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's Sandman Universe, Lock and Key, Sandman Helen God, number two. Yeah, the way this crossovers with DC work is it alternates publishers. So DC yeah. will be putting out the second chapter, which will be 42, uh, 48 pages. Ooh, wow. And yeah. confusingly, confusingly, also numbered one. Because oh, good. I guess it's because it's like the first issue is like Lock and Key, Sandman Universe, number one. And then the second one is like Sandman Universe and Lock and Key, number one. So oh, no. people are to be too weirded out. I think we'll figure it out. Yeah, we got uh, it. I can confirm that a lot look. of pages in there. Yeah. Everyone knows number <laughs> one issues really sell the best. Mm -hmm. Everyone yeah. knows number one issues sell the best. And from mm -hmm. here on out, I think all series should just go strictly number one, yeah. number one format. <laughs> World War Key is just a series. Just be number one. 
Yes. Six it's be so hard to get to World War Key number five if every issue is number one. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations on the book. It is absolutely fantastic. I can't wait for people so to check good. it out. Thank you Thanks for so the good book. Seeing you guys. It's amazing. Thank, thank you, you guys. so thank much. You. Thanks for having us. Thank you for oh, your enthusiasm, totally. guy. Always yeah. a pleasure. Oh, to always a pleasure to talk. Pleasure. All right. Take care. Here we go. Later, guys. All right. There we go. Oh, man. Uh, There we go. Once again, Joe Hill, Gabriel Rodriguez, and Chris Ryall for Lock and Key, Sandman, Hell, and Gone, number one, which is out from IDW and also DC tomorrow. Definitely pick it up. Again, we're not going to give out spoilers here, but it's awesome. It's It's so good. It's bananas. Yes. Like, it is so, like, I, I... I knew it was going to be great. <laughs> I was surprised with how great it was. It's so unbelievable. Uh, now, guys, we have plenty more show to go past this, so we're going to keep going with my favorite section, other than the interview, I guess, which was pretty good. Yeah, Alex, why are you downplaying the interview? <laughs> yeah, that was... <laughs> you downplaying magical. the interview, Alex. But here we go with some audience questions. All right. Woo! And for the audience questions, it's pretty straightforward. You can drop questions in the YouTube comments about absolutely anything nerdy or geeky. Also, an ask a question here on Crowdcast. But we're going to kick it off, like we always do, with what you drinking? Pete, what you, what drink? you drinking? Pete? Oh, he's nope, drinking he's his gone. own internet. Um, <laughs> I'm drinking a little too hearted. Nice. You know, after a nice long day at work, you really want to go with both hearts. Two Hearted Ale from Bell. I also like drinking beer with fish on it, so I'm drinking a Ballast Point Sculpin. Ooh, yes, Ooh, good. good stuff. I found it at the store, and I was very excited. You found it at the store. What a delightful treat for me! <laughs> drinking a fish. Oh man, fish beers. Good time. land shark. Land shark. Where, are you in the Florida Key? Are you on spring break right now? You're at Senior uh, Frogs. No. What's happening with you? Uh, now, we got a couple of questions about Lock and Key, which I'm sorry to anybody we didn't get to, but why don't we start off with this one. Edward Doherty says, what are the best subtle comic costume redesigns? I'm thinking about the silvery texture added to the Flash's costume when Wally took over from Barry, or changing the blue tone of Batman's cape and cowl. Mm. These are these are good. Uh... The armpit webbing? That's a good one. Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or on on you? On me. You, yeah. I yeah. when that I finally stopped. came in. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I was creeped out about it as a teenager, so I'd pick it off and flush it. Oh. My my <laughs> armpit wet. Alex. Oh my god. What just happened? Tell you what, that's a fine. You can say that whatever you want, but when you said flush it, that's not. I, that's when I was. That's what I, I was, was not happy. I was grossed up by Pickett. Once he said yeah. Pickett, I was out. I was done. Oh I've liked a lot of the Aquaman redesigns over the Ooh. years. I feel like, and those aren't super subtle, but that book sort of across the board. Um, he had uh, no back, arm. Uh, he lost a hand. The ultimate yeah. redesign is yeah. uh, giving up a hand. Similarly, when they redesigned Speedball and that he became Penance, that was pretty subtle. Very yes. subtle. Yes. Hardly noticed. Still just as fun. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's hard to say just because I feel like every artist and colorist kind of has their own take on stuff so thinking about spider-man there's been so many different hues for his costume over the years it's it's difficult to point to one in particular i've got a good one it is a cop out but i'll give you a good one um uh, iron man 
the armory mm-hmm. designs have been um i love when we get to see him sort of retroactively like when he had the triangle uh uh light mm-hmm. light laser in front there i thought it was like why would he make it a triangle it doesn't yeah. make any sense except for the drawing part I'll give you a very dumb one, which isn't necessarily a costume redesign, but Bullseye, after the Daredevil movie, when he had the cut, the bullseye yeah. in his head. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> that was like a subtle <laughs> little thing, but it, it's very cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I'm thinking of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do that live on the show? Can, what do you think? Yeah, I can help you with that. That'd be a fun live like oh, uh, man. event. I would love to brand you right in the middle of your forehead. For oh, I don't want to brand. Like, uh, this is getting very dark. This well, no, he was saying it's a permanent line. It's like, that, yeah, that wasn't just like lines because he took a nap on his forehead. Like that was real. Oh, I think he slept face down on a target bag. <laughs> and that's why he had that. Uh, Eduardo says, is that a robot on Justin's shirt? Is it from a comic? Yes, of course it is. It is our pal, Weapon X. Weapon X. Oh, yeah. So kind of a robot. You know, he was more machine than man for a brief time. Yes, he was. This is the uh, from Barry Windsor Smith's um, famous uh, run in Marvel Comics Presents, which really opened a lot of doors for Wolverine's <laughs> origin. It's weird that that's part of his origin still, right? I love that part of it. Yeah. That yeah. series is so good. It was like, and Barry Windsor Smith is an artist that I feel like really occupied a certain section of the comic book world and then didn't really continue after that. And it's it's great stuff. Yeah. Which one of you has the ice cream music playing in the background? That's me. It's driving it's me not, crazy. It's you. parked outside because it knows that the second this show ends, I'm going to buy so much <laughs> ice cream. You yeah. should. You should treat yourself. Yeah, you it's like night. that Simpsons thing with the he's putting my kid through college. Alex, <laughs> it's nighttime. Why is your ice cream man stalking I really you? I really don't know. What's, what's nighttime got to do with anything? Alex, that might be the ice cream man Ooh. from the comic book. Oh, oh that's no, pretty messed up. I hope not. Now, I didn't ask this one because we kind of covered it in the interview, but I'm curious to get your guys' take on it. This is from First Hand Up Guy. What else could cross over with the Sandman or Lock and Key and still feel tonally consistent? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, it's tough. I, I, that's why I sort of asked that question. I feel like Lock and Key and Sandman is really in like a really nice marriage and connection. <laughs> Street Bullet says Ghostbusters. Which <laughs> Joel like. says Knight Rider. I mean, Rider. <laughs> both, both feature keys, Knight Rider, yeah. car keys, yeah. obviously mm-hmm. Ghostbusters, Keymaster, Gatekeeper. Well, I mean, it makes the, a lot the, of sense. The thing is, it's like Gabriel Rodriguez's art is magical. Like he could, he can do anything. So I, I don't know. Like, uh, but I do, I do appreciate the fact of like, if it's got a crappy story, what are we here for? So I, I do, I, I am impressed with their answers, even though they kind of stuck with it a couple of times. I think it's really impressive not to do something just to be like, wouldn't this be cool? You know, we need like, to get, we need to get the kit key that makes any car talk. <laughs> oh man. Just put it in and turn it on. The car's I mean, like, I know hello, we... Michael. I have a bunch of opinions now. <laughs> the car key. That's a horrible that. kit impression. Right. Uh, oh, I know okay. because we're talking about this and the music is driving me crazy. Almost too on the nose, but Ice Cream Man crossing over potentially yeah, yeah. would work just for like a one-shot horror. Oh, that would be ooh, that would be a fun to see them play in that sandbox a little bit. It would yeah. be really cool. 
this is from Nelson Martinez over on YouTube. Loving Invincible, the podcast so far. Who's your favorite voice actor on the show? What do you guys expect in the next episode? So we have been doing an Invincible podcast called Podvincible. That everybody should That's definitely the check name. out. That's the one name for it. That's the one name for it. Are you saying I don't know if people should check it out, Pete? I'm saying I don't nah, know. If I work hard on this thing. I no, I don't know if uh, that's going to be our final name. I'm still. We still have the vote on it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I hate to tell you about Kurt how it Mania. Works. Come on, Kurt yeah. Mania. Pete, uh, why don't you start then? Uh, what is your favorite voice actor on the show, and what do you guys expect in the next episode? I, I don't know. It's there are so many amazing uh, voices on the show, and it's like every episode. It's like, wait, what? Uh, I mean, Herschel Ali is, uh, uh, you know, his voice alone is so magical. I I don't know. There's just a lot of great talent on the show. I I can't wait for Seth Rogen to come back though. The, uh, I loved uh, his one eyed alien. It was really just really fun. Uh, Alan Alien. I want to give it up yeah. for uh, Battle Beast, uh, uh, Michael Dorn, uh, Worf from uh, TNG. Uh, great yeah. to hear and him out. Space Nine. Don't erase that part of his history. I'm not erasing hey, well, it. Nobody's but I, if we're going to talk about where Worf from, it's TNG. Right, no, who's like saying like a oh, Worf? Loved him on Deep Space Nine. Never watched anything else, any Worf related material. <laughs> You know, I was thinking earlier today how much I like Sandra Oh on the show. And they've really beefed up the role yeah. of Debbie quite a bit from the comics sure. very purposefully. But as opposed to everybody else who is so big and so bold and superheroes and supervillains, just having a regular person character in the middle there, it's kind of a thankless performance, but she's doing a great job with it. Well, and I would throw out there that I, I think the way the series has positioned Debbie and Nolan are really like the two poles of of mark and like mm -hmm. a way that the series the comic series really didn't it was much more about the drama of it and this feels like it actually has like a thematic uh a real thematic purpose to it and i really appreciate that yeah uh and what do you think is going to happen next uh this is obviously potentially getting into spoilers but we got three episodes left in the season so what are you looking forward to seeing I mean, the we, problem is we've read it so yeah. it's like i don't you know i don't want to spoil anything or like you know yeah, trouble. More blood on the um, title card is yeah. what I can predict. Yeah, yeah it's going to get bloodier. Uh, we got another lock and key related question here from Edward Doherty. I have had more success recommending and having non-comics people actually right? finish lock and key than any other series. What do you attribute this Such to? an easy wreck. Because two magical people came together and made an unbelievable comic. <laughs> and it's undeniable. You can't just say lock and key it's just undeniable. So it's such an easy wreck. Um, yes. Uh, Pete is trying to be adopted by Joe and uh, Gabriel. Um, Godspeed. Um, I, I think it's because the characters are so like, they draw you in so hard. You feel so much alongside those characters from the beginning and throughout, not just I feel like a lot of comics um, that are like, Oh, check this out. You might like this. You, it's not a, uh, the story doesn't always draw you through the whole thing through the characters and the way that lock and key just is written it you're with them each character individually as well as the family together throughout the entire run i also think a lot like sandman is a lot of people's first wreck in terms of comic books it's accessible which i knew is a very broad way of saying it but 
people know what horror movies are. You know what the characters are immediately. Like we were talking about, Gabriel's pacing is very cinematic in terms of the panels. So somebody whose only experience is with movies or TV shows, handing them something like that, I think it's a little easier to understand the visual language of lock and key. But the other thing that I don't think you should undervalue is that it's complete. Like, it's a complete story yeah. over several volumes. Obviously, it's expanding now, but it's the same thing with Sandman, where you can say, hey, it starts and then the story ends after a couple volumes and you're done. So um, I think it's versus saying, oh, man, you got to check out issue 1023 yeah, yeah, comics, yeah, yeah. which yeah. is a hard lift. This is yeah. something that is complete that you can add to somebody. I just also think that, like... Uh, it like the art tries to do different things. Like it's not just, okay, this is what this comic is. And now I'm used to this. It pushes itself. It like each different uh, issue is trying different genres. And it's just, it's really impressive. And even Joe Hill was impressed with going back and not noticing things in the artwork. It's just so detailed. Uh, I can't say enough amazing things about it. And if, I don't know what you're doing if you're not uh, checking it out. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing. I know. This is from Kevin. What are some comics that you think would fit well with a drink as a merchandising tie-in, alcoholic or non, and what would that drink be? Ooh, interesting. Ooh. Just uh, any Wolverine issue with a can of beer duct tape to it? Duct tape? What are you yeah. talking about, like Edward Forty Hands? What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, you know, sure. I, you know, we talk Is about Wolverine. By the way, they haven't established that yet. Edward Forty Hands. Yes, yes, the famous. Um, uh, he keeps dying. They keep you know. bringing him back. Um, Wolverine is like a, it's like oh he's always in bars, but like he's not someone who I'm like that guy really drinks or like he's always like holding a beer, but it doesn't ever affect him. Like I, I don't associate him with uh, with drinking quite as much. Huh. Interesting. Do you, is that? I mean, I think you're right. Similarly. And this is a very, very much off topic, but I don't know if you guys have been watching Superman and Lois, but mm. there's at least once an episode, Lois and Clark kind of hang out on the par porch and have a glass of wine. And Clark's like, ah, oh, thank you. It's been a hard day. And I'm like, what is that doing for you? That's is Superman. That's not affecting you in any way whatsoever. Sometimes it's just a nice, you know, thing to do. But I would just say, like, <laughs> don't worry too much about the comic. What do you like drinking? You know what I mean? Put yourself at ease and then you'll be more open to the comic that you're into. You know, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but like treat yourself too. you know what I mean? What was that comic um, from uh, a few months back? Maybe it was called Spy Island mm -hmm. that we oh, really yeah. liked. That oh, yeah. and a pina colada was the first thing that jumped into uh, my head. I was thinking nice. of, like, also, a Stray Bullet, our resident chef, suggests lock and key with an old school absinthe. Melt a sugar cube into your glass through a slotted spoon. That's a good choice as well. Very nice. Um, we'll that do one more cool. question here. This is from Jay Sinison. Which currently living comedian has the best chance of surviving being a headliner of the Gotham City Comedy Festival? <laughs> Great what? question. Uh, quick story while you guys are thinking of an answer. Um, I came home, or I came up from work uh, the other night. I, um, you know, I, I came I, up I, from I, work. I work here in the basement, <laughs> and I came upstairs, and my wife is halfway through watching Joker, and oh she turns to God. me, and she turns to me and goes, this is the best movie I've seen in the last 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 
<laughs> this is insane for like nine reasons. Um, <laughs> oh my God. First of, do you know what how much I've talked point? about this? I've talked about this movie for hours. <laughs> and now you're watching it and you're like, I love this. I'm sure they've got the pandemic may have. <laughs> wow, I'm, now I'm worried. Well, I'm so sorry you guys broke up. <laughs> well, and honestly, I would say, and re- I watched the second half of there, and it was less of a, it, it was better than when it, I watched it before. I don't know if that's because wow. the world is a little bit darker and crazier. Yeah, the world is beating you down a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Or it was more like, wow, uh, my wife has an interest in something that I like, <laughs> or like it is in my world anyway. Yeah. Uh, we can have something to talk about. This yeah. is literally your Joker origin story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, stop. Don't oh, do, scary? That's scary when I make my this. mouth smile? Yeah, stop. Um, uh, what was the question? I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh, which currently living comedian has the best yes. chance of surviving being a headliner of the Gotham City Comedy Festival? I don't know. Is that a shot at something? Like, I don't understand what the question I, is. I, like, no, I think the idea is like a comedian that has to be so good or so bad they could um, sort of endure uh, against the Joker. Oh, okay. All right. Man, Dave I don't Chappelle. know. Who, Dave Chappelle? Yeah. Joker would be like, you're all right. Yeah, he would be like, ah, I'm not going to kill you. You're really good. I think um, Carrot Top. Because the Joker would be like, yo, that guy's fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) That guy's weird. (laughs) All right. And folks, that is it for your audience questions. All right. We are going to move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Mr. P. La Pay. There it is. That's how you The star of La Trivia, Pete LePage. All right. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win $25 free in the form of a gift card to Midtown Comics online. So you can go buy yourself some comics all safe and not have to, uh, you know, go out into that crazy world. All we would need is a first hand up so you can uh, participate in tonight's trivia where you will win $25. And if you're over on YouTube, if somebody hasn't already snagged it over at Crowdcast, just say me and we will figure it out we'll figure it out yeah we'll make it happen we'll make me it happen. captain we'll make it happen okay captain morgan run right yeah oh yeah thanks <laughs> nice. great oh pete cbc says thanks should we bring him in for trivia <laughs> let's bring him in <laughs> i've been wanting to talk to that guy he's got a lot of strong opinions mm-hmm. how are you guys doing oh <laughs> <laughs> who knows Oh, we got a hand up from Mspear632 on YouTube. Now, I'll mention there is a little bit of a delay with YouTube, so we're going to make this work the best we can. Pete's going to ask the question. You drop the answer in the YouTube chat, A, B, or C. You'll be able to figure it out, and it'll be good. And then you walk away with uh, $25. So, Pete, take it away. All right, here we go. Today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend DMX. Mm, Here we go. Please listen to all three. uh, Well, it's YouTube, so okay. Here we go. Question number one. (laughs) For Marvel's Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunter, what droid is going to get its own variant cover? Is it A, BB-8, B, 
IG-88, or is it C, Blair Underwood? Mm. So it's either A, don't pick it, or it's B. Hmm. We'll see what Mike, uh, or M. Spear, I think it's Mike, answers. But what's your favorite Blair Underwood movie in the meantime? Uh, great question. Thank you. I guess um, that would be I don't know any of those. Oh, come on. <laughs> Blair's done a ton of great stuff. Okay, hit us. Name two. Uh, well, we obviously have one. Says B. There we yeah, go. Yeah, all, all right. right. Move on to the next question. Okay, here we go. <laughs> BC dropped a trailer for what new animated movie? Is it A, The Long Halloween, B, Batman Needs a Therapist, or is it C, Angie Martinez? Is it A, and you will be correct, or you can pick B or C? Nice. Well, we'll just wait for that to come through. And uh, Pete, <laughs> did you name another Blair Underwood movie outside of the one that you're going to sort of say in a second? Uh, I do know his work. I'm blanking right now, but I am. Oh, uh, A? Is it A? A is correct. All right. Uh, Mike got it right. There we oh, go. Sorry, Ask I'm the third middle. question, Pete. Here we go. Okay. So I was in the middle of uh, responding to a stray bullet. Okay. Here we go. Last You're one. Trivia, Pete. You gotta concentrate. Pete, how many? Oh, how not. many balls are you trying? How many plates are you trying to keep spinning? I, I, too here? much. Too much. Pete, too much. Just focus on what's in front of you. For Last. Sake. Okay. You're the, of, you're the star of trivia. If you can handle, not. if you can handle the pressure, pass it off. I'll be the no. star. <laughs> I will be the star. You do enough. My here, shot. Here Let we go. Me be the star. <laughs> Marvel to launch three new X Men titles. Which title will be one of the three? Is it a? Fuck Island 2, Too Fast, Two Islands, who give each other love and consent, but everyone else run for your fucking lives. B, Way Number of the one. X, or is it C, Wiz Khalifa? So it's either A, or it's B, which is the correct answer. Yeah. One of those B. is too long to be a title, for sure. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes things are long. Mm. Titles do just real do. quick before Mike gives his final answer. What's that other Blair Underwood movie, Pete? Oh just drop it. I know, I know a bunch of his stuff. Ooh, it's A. Just... Is it A? Oh, it is... B. 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 There we go. Mike, congratulations. You've won a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com and we will get that right off to you. Now, folks, as we all know, this is New Comic Book Week. Comics come out. Whenever. Most of them tomorrow, some of them today. That's all fine. But what are you guys looking forward to that's coming out at some random time? Well, first, I I just got to say, the answer to the thing is uh, the after party, which is a great movie. Great. Great. Similarly, the after party for trivia is where we talk about what we're looking forward to. Pete? Uh, I would say uh, Lock and Key, Helen Gone. (laughs) I as mean, well as we one just sort of it's yeah. like on Wheel of Fortune where they give you R S T L N and E. Like it's like yeah. we know that. You know? Okay. You know what I'm talking then, about? Uh, wheel wheel heads out there? Sure, sure. Uh also Wonder Woman number seven hundred and seventy one. Mm, yeah. That's been real good. Justin, mm-hmm. what about you? I mean a lot of good stuff, um, but let me just uh, this is some real like old fashioned uh nostalgia shit to throw out. I'm going to give it up for the Darkhawk book, Heart of the Hawk, coming out tomorrow. Really, 
does a good job or will i assume do a good job of taking you back um to that nostalgia while also maybe setting up a story for the future interesting I am, well, not looking forward to because it's actually already out, but Rorschach number seven from DC Comics, which has one of the wildest cameos I've ever seen in any comic ever. Very curious to talk to you guys about it. We are going to talk about that and much more on our Stack podcast, which is in the Comic Book Club feed and also its dedicated Stack feed, Wednesdays at 9 a.m. So, folks, definitely check that out there. And that is it for our show. What an episode. What an episode. First of all, thank you to our amazing guests, Joe Hill, Gabriel Rodriguez, and Chris Ryhall. Don't forget to check out Lock and Key, Sandman, Hell and God, number one. Oh, you won't be sorry. Tomorrow. And as mentioned, the key to hell is also going to be from Skeleton Key, Skeleton Crew, excuse me. So definitely pick that up next week on the show. We're going to have another packed show. Elliot Rahal and Emily Pearson from The Vein, which we've been enjoying, are going to be here. Also, yes. Kurt Pyers, the guy behind Youth, is going to be here, which would be very cool. Sorry, so that should be a super fun show. Check out Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast. We're talking about Falcon the Winter Soldier every Friday. Podvincible, our Invincible podcast, is also out on, well, Kurt Mania. Sometimes. It comes out sometimes, but check that out on its feed. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support our show. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, good night. Good night. We have a real open spot in May for more podcasts. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Aaron. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.